Welcome to the Working Tools Masonic Podcast, where today will be part two of our conversation with Right Worshipful Brother Cameron Bailey, Deputy Grand Master of the Grand Lodge of Washington, and Right Worshipful Brother Trevor McCune, Grand Historian of British Columbia and the Yukon. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren all, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast, a casual conversation around Freemasonry. First, it's important to note that our opinions and thoughts are our own and do not reflect those of our Grand Lodge or respective craft or concordant bodies. Please connect with us and ask questions, either here on YouTube or on our Facebook page. We'd also appreciate a thumbs up and especially any comments on our videos. My name is Matthew Apple, and I'm here with our two of our usual podcast hosts, David Colbeth and Connor Massey from Washington and British Columbia and Yukon, respectively. And we are here tonight with two uh, special guests. We have Right Worship Brother Cameron Bailey, who's the Deputy Grand Master of Washington, and Right Worship Brother Trevor McCune, who is the Grand Historian of British Columbia and the Yukon. Uh, right Worship Brothers, welcome to the Working Tools Podcast. Thank you. So... As we, uh, we prompted everyone uh, last, at our last uh, recording, we're going to be discussing, at least to start before we wander off topic, the uh, Right Worship Brother Cameron's uh, blog post called That Which Cannot Be Defended, which he posted uh, uh, in July about uh, Grand Lodge recognition and Prince Hall masonry and other related topics. And I guess if I could... could I could just throw it at you, uh, right, Worshipful Sir. Uh, what was your po post about, and and what are your thoughts? Certainly, um, at the time I I wrote the post, we were, as a country, mourning the loss of of one of our more respected congressional leaders, um, who happens to be a, a Prince Hall Mason in Georgia. And it was certainly right that, that we honor him. But one thing that struck me as I was watching social media was how many people were claiming him as a Mason. Um, yet, of course, the Grand Lodge of Georgia does not recognize the most worshipful Prince Hall, Grand Lodge of Georgia, uh, which the congressmen belong to. And as a result, that Prince Hall Grand Lodge is not recognized by any, I guess we call them mainstream Grand Lodges in this country. Uh, if the congressmen were to be awarded um, something from masonry, as had happened in the past, it couldn't happen in one of our open lodges because we don't recognize his his jurisdiction, and that in this day and age is is just plainly wrong. Um, this all came to me 
quite a number of years ago, when I first became a Mason, I stumbled across these old videos and they, they weren't, uh, weren't professionally done, but they were of, of a ceremony at laying the, a gravestone on the grave of, of one of our past grandmasters, uh, Grandmaster Upton, who had died, you know, almost a hundred years prior. And the reason they were just laying the gravestone then is because he, he made it known in his final requests that he didn't want any marker uh, laid on his grave until members of our Grand Lodge and the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Washington and jurisdiction could do it together. And they weren't able to do that until the 1990s. And I certainly didn't know that when I joined Masonry, but I learned it fairly early in my career. And that's always, always been disturbing to me. And disturbing in the fact that it took so long for that to change. Uh, disturbing in the fact that, that Washington Freemasons attempted to change it a hundred years earlier, yet were um, required, I'll say by all the other Grand Lodges in North America to rescind that decision. And it disturbs me because how the process works is we are unable to recognize any Prince Paul Grand Lodge in a particular state unless and until they are recognized by the mainstream Grand Lodge in that state. And as we do have some southern states that have continued to refuse to do so, we haven't done so. And I've heard the argument made, well, we can't, and I'll just pick on Georgia, uh, but they're not the only state. But the argument's been made that we can't interfere with Georgia's sovereignty, and we have to let them come to the right decision in their own time. But I contend, and Grandmaster Upton contended, I believe rightly so, that by allowing, again, for example, Georgia to dictate whether or not the Grand Lodge of Washington can and does recognize the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Georgia, we're giving up our own sovereignty. And I believe as a Grand Lodge officer, it's way more important for me to protect the sovereignty of the Grand Lodge of Washington, as opposed to worrying about the sovereignty of the Grand Lodge of Georgia or any other Southern Grand Lodge that refuses to recognize men as brothers based on the color of their skin. The last thing I think we, we all must recognize or see is that by associating with Grand Lodges that take a plainly racist stance, we are in effect allowing that stance to, to reflect back on us. And we are permitting ourselves to, to fall to their own folly. And 
that's just something that it's gone on way, way too long and it isn't tolerable. And it's certainly not appropriate in, in civil society. And I believe that, that our Grand Lodge needs to put a stop to it. So that was the purpose of my post. And I, uh, I hope when I'm Grandmaster, I'm able to take a affirmative action so that we can no longer recognize men as Masons who refuse to recognize other Masons as legitimate based solely on the color of their skin. So if I may, may interject a bit of, I don't know if it's historical perspective or not, but Prince Hall Masonry was founded in, in the United States, I want to say in 1787 in, uh, in Boston as a result of um, some Masons who had been uh, initiated as, uh, under the, the then British regime there at the time that, well, previously, for, before the, the unpleasantness, the, the Brits had, uh, had initiated them and then they wanted to continue on as a lodge and were not permitted to do so. And so sort of formed a, a parallel organization uh, developed over time, not immediately, but over time developed that is spread to all 50 states and, and uh, territories and, and uh, all over the world, South Korea, Japan, et cetera, that are um, um, parallel organizations because as, as Right Worship Brother Cameron was saying, the um, brothers of a different, or men of a different skin color were not permitted to join the, the mainstream lodges. Um, and so their Prince Hall is, is where they, they formed their own parallel organization. And it has taken a hundred years or two to, uh, for those organizations to begin to recognize each other as, as brothers and as, uh, you know, as equals. Um, and there's bizarre hiccups along the way and, and there are joinings and splittings and, and all sorts of strange things that happened. But uh, if, if I may throw that out there as the, the short version <laughs> of, of that history. Um, if, actually, I want to ask an, a dumb question, which I should have looked up before I, we started this podcast. Um, right, Worship Brother Trevor or, or Connor, or is there Prince Hall Masonry in, in Canada or in, in BC and Yukon? Do you know? Oh, yes. There were two uh, Prince Hall Washington Lodges in BC uh, up until several years ago, one in Victoria and True Resolution 16 still operates in Vancouver. I believe they were warranted in 1914. Interesting. So they're actually part of the, the Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Washington jurisdiction then? And jur that's part of the jurisdiction. Interesting. Okay. I, I knew they were in yeah, Guam and like I said, South Korea, et cetera. But interesting. If I could interject for a moment, uh, two yes, historical curiosities. One, uh, no, not every North American jurisdiction suspended recognition uh, or right of visitation with Washington. British Columbia did not. Uh, we, we did in our naivety uh, report in our proceedings that we found it curious that you'd want to recognize another body because there was no bar to them by the color of their skin joining the regular lodge. But then at the time, I think British Columbia had a population of perhaps two dozen blacks. <laughs> so it was a moot question at the time. The other thing I'd like to throw in here at this point is 1990 was the year that you recognized Prince Hall. Your grandmaster was George Bordwick, an initiate of my mother lodge in Vancouver. Very good. But I'd throw that in there. That's why it's good to have a grand historian around. 
get some of these interesting details. So I, I, have a, I have a process question if I could throw in here too, before we kind of get into the meat of things too, just so people understand that uh, we've talked a little bit about in the past about the recognition under the regular Grand Lodge system, which we call Blue Lodges. If you've heard us talk about the Blue Lodge, uh, the Conference of Grand Masters, we've talked about those ideas. And so for lodges to recognize each other and to allow for travel in foreign countries or cross, cross jurisdictional lines, we have to be recognized under the Conference of Grand Masters and the regular, there's a book, right? There's a, there's a list, an amenity list, if you will, that has all the recognized Grand Lodges. And if I'm going off the edges here, feel free to Trevor and Gamera to, to reel me in and to clarify. But so the, one of the reasons of the, the double recognition for the Grand Lodges of Prince Hall and Washington, as an example, it was that the, as part of the regular regular recognition process, you can only have a single Grand Lodge in your jurisdiction as part of the, the previous regulations under the regular Grand Lodges. And so we don't like to talk about it, but there are other Grand Lodges in Washington or in other states. There's co-masonry and other types of masonry that aren't recognized under the regular Grand Lodge system. And so it was a huge step in 1887 or in 1897 and, excuse me, yeah, 1897, <laughs> for, for what, Grandmaster Upton to take those steps with Grand Lodge to, to begin the recognition process of a second Grand Lodge. It was not only a controversial issue because of the times and because of the culture, but also it was an issue amongst Masons and the, the landmarks, Trevor, I'll throw that in there, the landmarks of Masonry that don't exist, that a, only one Grand Lodge would be recognized in the jurisdiction. So there was... There was several things happening in the background, right? So I think in the, in the English speaking world, I think Masonic world, we have created this odd fetish of exclusive territorial jurisdiction is what you're referring to in that there can only be one lodge, one grand lodge in one territory and that's it. And that's how it's always been, and that's how it is everywhere, but that's not true, right? So there's a lodge in Mexico that I visit uh, whenever I'm able. They meet in a building owned by another lodge, which is part of a different Grand Lodge, working a different right. And so, so, here in the English-speaking world, we, we might freak out to think that there might be more than one Grand Lodge in a territory. Well, in Mexico, here's two different Grand Lodges sharing the same exact building uh, so that they don't have to have two in the town. And so it hasn't always been that way. It isn't that way everywhere. It's one of our English-speaking world quirks, I guess, that we have such a focus on this exclusive territorial jurisdiction. But I think as Washington Masons, we can be extremely proud in that we took the action we did a hundred years before anyone else took that action. Um, it wasn't just a grandmaster who made that decision. It was actually voted on at the annual communication by the 
the entire body assembled and and I think that we can be very proud that at least we attempted to do the right thing when the occasion first presented itself. It turns out we didn't quite have the courage of our convictions, I guess, uh, because when we promptly found ourselves unrecognized by most of the rest of the Masonic world, we, we backpedaled and, and changed that decision uh, regretfully for for a hundred years, but but I think we can be proud that we did attempt to do the right thing here in Washington uh, from the very start. But yeah, I think we we worry way too much about being the only Grand Lodge in a territory. I think that's a, a strange affectation that developed over time. And just to, to clarify again to those who don't follow the ins and outs of Masonic polity, um, as Right Worship Brother Cameron said earlier, the, the Grand Lodge of Washington is, is sovereign, if you will. It's a sovereign body. There's no higher body than, than the Grand Lodge of Washington, which is in parallel with the Grand Lodge of Germany. Well, there's three in Germany, I think. But anyway, uh, the, the Grand Lodge of England or British Columbia in the Yukon or, or Oregon or Georgia. Um, and essentially, there are all these sovereign bodies out there. And if they disagree, there's no, I mean, we don't have armies. We don't have state departments. We, if if we, we fight with each other, we don't literally fight with each other. The only tool that you have to show disapproval beyond a strongly worded letter is, is recognition between the bodies where they say essentially, you know, we don't recognize that Grand Lodge. You can't sit and lodge with those guys. They, they're, as far as masonry goes, we're going to pretend they don't exist. And that's essentially the only tool that we have. And that's the tool that was wielded back in the 1890s that, that many Grand Lodges withdrew their recognition of the Grand Lodge of Washington. Is that an accurate assessment of the? the Perfectly accurate. And then what I'm suggesting is that we, we need to turn that around and, uh, and use that tool uh, to force change at this time. I think, uh, uh, there's very few Grand Lodges in the Old South that are still maintaining their stance and, and it's time that they change and, and as they aren't changing on their own, then it's, it's time for us to, uh, to force that change. Uh, one thing that the derecognition does, of course, since we do worry in this country so much about that exclusive territorial jurisdiction is if there is no, uh, recognized Grand Lodge in a territory, well then other, uh, other lodges can be formed there outside of, of that de-recognized, I guess you'd say, Grand Lodge. So when you declared, uh, or you, when you recognized or attempted to re bring in a report to recognize Prince Hall, Washington in 1897, uh, Mississippi not only withdrew recognition, but declared Washington free territory. So I think that's what you're referring to there. So, <laughs> but Mississippi was an outlier in that respect. Yeah, I think there are, just to, to go back a half step, I think there are seven, last I looked it up, uh, Grand Lodges that don't recognize the Prince Hall counterparts. Sounds, sounds about right. Are you, are you saying that there is or was at one point a Grand Lodge of Mississippi Lodge in Washington? No, no, the Grand Lodge of Mississippi withdrew recognition of the Grand Lodge of Washington when Washington attempted to recognize Prince Hall. And they declared it 
like open. So they not only declared that we were not in recognition, but they declared in effect that there was no Grand Lodge of Washington, that it was free territory, and anyone could start a lodge there. Did anyone do that? I'm, not that I'm aware. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing. I'm guessing why there was that. Why the backpedaling occurred. Um, rather awkward for there to be like just a random Grand Lodge of Mississippi Lodge in like Tacoma. It, it was very. It was very emotional times. So what, one of the things, as I continue to read about this idea, that one of the lame excuses, if you will, is that there's a couple things. One that there's multiple. Prince Hall Lodges or variants of it. And second, that, which the second one, still lame, but I could understand. Uh, we as Masons like to have our way of things. <laughs> and just how the United Grand Lodge of England became the United Grand Lodge of England because there were two Grand Lodges that couldn't agree on, is there three or four? <laughs> and so they became the United Grand Lodge of England and there's three, but the fourth was given to the York Rite, as I understand it. And Trevor, correct me if I'm wrong. The fourth degree. Not sure if I'm following you here. The, the degrees, the degrees. There was there, one said well, there the, was Ro four the Royal Arch was part of the ancient uh, Grand Lodge, uh, and they spun that into another Grand Lodge, not a Grand Lodge, a Grand Chapter. Right. Yes. In, yeah, you're referring to the disagreement between the modern and the ancients, right, David? Yeah, we're talking, yeah. There was the Union of 1813, 1812. I know, and I, I know we're a little bit short on time, but I know one of the one of the arguments, if you will, or again the lame excuses, uh, is that there's a different degree structure or different degree process for Prince Hall, and that's one of the reasons why the formality. That's why they don't want to recognize. They say that there's there's a it's not the same degree structure or whatever. Again, it's hard for me to believe that the other forty three lodges, forty three grand lodges, and the rest of the world <laughs> say it's okay, but these seven don't. Again, they're lame excuses. So I'm just curious if you know anything more about that and maybe Trevor does or Cameron. So, so regularity comes in two forms. There's regularity of origin and regularity of practice. So Southern states have used regularity of origin as an argument for the last hundred odd years. And once that was laid aside, a little more research made it clear that that argument didn't hold. They switched to the other argument of, of regularity of practice. But their practice is as regular as any other uh, North American jurisdiction. Uh, so it is, a, it is a bogus argument. Uh, you did say, uh, oh, but actually uh, one argument that they still make, but they shouldn't anymore, about multiple Prince Holders uh, bodies. That is a legitimate argument and that was a, a serious stumbling block we had to identify exactly which was the regular of origin Prince Hall or black group. Once we nailed that down, then all the other ones, I think there's 50 in Texas, uh, can be safely ignored. And so saying that there were multiple jurisdictions isn't, isn't a, uh, a bogus argument. It is a serious concern, but we've dealt with it. Uh, in British Columbia, there's only Prince Hall, which we've recognized. I'm not aware of any other group. Co-masonry hasn't been able to survive up here. That women Freemasons out of England had several lodges until up until the 1980s. Uh, their membership took a bigger hit than ours through the uh, the war generation. 
Uh, so their membership is, is way down. Um, Quebec and Ontario each have a half dozen or more bogus Grand Lodges, uh, a, a group out of Trinidad, a group out of Lebanon, a couple of irregular Prince Hall-ish groups, and some boiler room working out of a warehouse selling you a piece of paper <laughs> kind of operations that um, are still an ongoing problem. I've had brethren turn up here, not brethren, members turn up, uh, men turning up in Vancouver, wanting to visit a lodge and quite disappointed that their certificate was from an irregular body. And they've been quite willing to disavow that group and join us. That's what they wanted. So we've had some experience with that. I don't know, Washington State, do you have any other other groups? Yeah, we, we do. Uh... I am aware of at least one uh, Comasonic uh, body in Washington. Uh, I'm no, not aware of, of any beyond that. Uh, certainly the, the problem you mentioned uh, happens here as well. Uh, my home lodge uh, a couple of years ago had a fellow wander in and, and uh, apply for plural membership and, and he, uh, his original membership also was from a, a bogus Grand Lodge. Uh, so we were able to, as you said, get him to disavow that membership and, and reinitiate him through through our degrees, and he's now a member of my home lodge. But, but yeah, it's interesting when that happens. Um, you mentioned more than one Grand Lodge, more than one Prince Hall Grand Lodge. Um, and as you say, that can be worked out, and, and that's an ongoing process, right? Conference of Grand Masters the last two years, we've had uh, uh, men, Masons from, from uh, former Soviet uh, satellite country, both claiming to be, you know, the legitimate Grand Lodge and, oh, and the sits down about Bulgaria? <laughs> and figures this stuff out, you know, so, uh, so yeah, it, it's a problem, but it's it's not an insurmountable problem, uh, and and it's something that that can be figured out and and does get figured out on a fairly regular basis, I think. Now, England in the twenties adopted a um, eight points of recognition, what they required from another jurisdiction to recognize them. British Columbia adopted that in in nineteen forty five. Uh, part of it talks about uh, regularity of origin. But uh, depending on how old your body is, we're pretty loose about that because, yeah, UGLE was a little flaky too. So you don't check into too closely. But it's only initiating men, no atheists, open volume of sacred law. Can't remember what the other ones are. But they're very, very, uh, probably a mention of the Hieramic legend. Uh, Sounds a but, little bit like landmarks. Uh, <laughs> and to a certain degree, it's the bare minimum that will allow for recognition. Yet we recognize uh, the Grand Lodge um, of um, the Swedish Rite. And they will only allow, at one time, I think it was only Lutherans, now only Christians. You have to profess a belief in the Trinity uh, to join their Grand Lodge. So by our, our definition, we should actually be suspending recognition of the Grand Lodge of Sweden. Not gonna happen. 
So the other thing, oh, but anybody, if there's going to be more than one in a, in a geographic location, they have to first uh, recognize each other before we will consider recognizing them. Right. Uh, so at this point, we will recognize Grand Lodge lodges in uh, Brazil, Grand Orient lodges, and State Grand Orient lodges. I think we recognize three different organizations because they all recognize each other. As long as they're cool, who are we to say otherwise? That's been our policy. I don't know about Washington. Do you, do you not recognize yeah. either of them if they don't recognize each other? Depends on who gets in the gate first. <laughs> So if, and most of our recognitions took place before the First World War, um, but except a lot of South America, we didn't recognize Latin America, we didn't start recognizing until the 70s or 80s, at which point we didn't recognize until they could claim that they would, they would demonstrate that they were in recognition of each other. But we didn't recognize anyone for, in many jurisdictions. In fact, BC was notorious through, I think, from the 30s through the 60s of not recognizing anybody. We didn't even recognize Switzerland. It was, <laughs> took us till 68 to recognize Switzerland. So I believe our policy for recognition is, is the same. Uh, if there's two Grand Lodges in a territory, we, we require before we can recognize the second one that, that it's recognized by the, the one that we already recognize. And that is why, for example, we, we are not recognizing the most worshipful Prince Hall Grand Lodge of Georgia uh, because they haven't worked it out. Uh, as much as we would like to as well. And we've had resolutions withdrawn from our Grand Lodge uh, by the Grand Master saying, I'm not going to allow that to come to the floor. Uh, but yes, we would love to recognize uh, any number of them. Yes. So uh, with that, we're, we're about wrapping up our, our second uh, episode here on interview with Right Worship Brother Cameron Bailey and Right Worship Brother Trevor, Trevor McCune. Um, so on behalf of David and myself, do you, you guys have anything you'd like to, to add here at the, in the, the dying embers of, of this afternoon's podcast? No, other than to say it's a fascinating subject and it's part of our ongoing history. It's not dead history. It's very much alive. It is. I, I, I feel like we could do a, a whole series on this and, and, and trace it through history and, and such. Um, Connor, David, do you guys have any last words that you'd like to add in? No, just thank you both for coming out tonight. And uh, we look forward to the continuation of your term. And uh, as, a, as a quick side note, uh, our, our grandmaster, we had him on just a few shows ago. And, and he had noted that he would not become a Mason until uh, Prince Hall was recognized in Washington. And so he was able to do that in the nineties. And uh, all that I want to add is that if it's at all possible with COVID and borders and stuff, I'd love it too. If I could come down to your installation as grandmaster uh, vote pending uh, next year or this year, one of the years, whenever it is. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate that very much. What month is it right now? <laughs> COVID 20. Tuesday you were. <laughs> Tuesday, you worry. Thank you, Trip. So, uh, with that, um, if I could come down to that, and I will try my best to uh, to be there if if the border and and so on permits me to. And Cameron, did I step on you? Did you have anything you'd like to to add? 
No, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it. It's been fun. All right. Well, on behalf of the Working Tools Podcast, thank you to our guests and thank you for tuning in and listening to the show. Thank you.